Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is powered by TD Ameritrade. Every stroke counts on the scorecard and every penny counts in the market. That's why TD Ameritrade is committed to straightforward pricing with no surprises, so you're free to swing with confidence. Visit tdameritrade.com slash fried egg. Member SIPC. We are back with another episode, and uh, today we are joined by Craig Moore. Uh, he is the head of grounds at Marquette Golf Club all the way up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Craig is a golf course architecture, golf history nut, and takes meticulous care of the courses up at Marquette. He has both a golden age design in the Langford Moreau 9 heritage course at Marquette, as well as the modern Mike DeVries 18 holes at Gray Walls. So Craig is deeply into architecture and also maintains a course in one of the most, one of the harshest and shortest seasons in the United States. So we talk a little bit about architecture, the courses, and the unique challenges that he has up in Marquette, Michigan. Enjoy the podcast. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. All right, Craig, we're here in uh, Marquette, Michigan. What's, Absolutely, yeah. What's it like living here? It's like a fantasy, man. I'll just be honest with you. It's it's crazy good. Um, you know, you got the extreme of all four seasons. Summers, you can't beat it. If you like winter recreation, you cannot beat it because winter comes, we get snow, and it stays. So, um, yeah, it's like a fantasy for me. How, how much snow and how cold are we talking? I mean, you're... Almost the northern tip of the continental U.S. Sure, yeah, yeah. We're I mean we're the north coast of America up here. We like to call it. Um, we get you know, right right around 230 inches here in the Marquette area, um, and so when it comes and, and when it's winter, it, it's here. But we do have the lake that kind of moderates the temperature, so it doesn't get brutally brutally cold. We do have some stretches, but nothing like uh, like you see in the Dakotas or, or Minnesota. So it's a it's an air conditioner in the summer. The the Lake Superior is an air conditioner in the summer and uh, a heater in the winter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll get our we'll get our ninety degree days in the summer, but it's usually not all day long. We get a little push from the lake and and boom, back down to seventy. So it's a glory it's a glorious thing. So you you've been uh, at Graywalls. You you came here right at the construction start. So you in Marquette golf club's interesting it's a unique situation where you're semi-private model you got members yeah two golf courses yeah uh one modern one one classic you yeah. can kind of have all you, you have a nine built in the 60s yeah um so you got yeah. you got every type of golf architecture here tell us about your life at marquette golf club well it started out my my wife's born and raised here in marquette okay i grew up in lower michigan and uh, my father-in-law has been a member here for, God, probably going on 40 years now. Um, 
And so my wife was on this property when she was younger. But I, I started dating her back at uh, you know, 99, 2000. Started really coming up here a lot and uh, and playing the course. And by then, I, I had done the Kingsley Club. Um, so I got to know Mike, obviously, uh, real well. And uh, we, we hit it off. And he'd do site visits up here. And if I was up here, I'd go on the site visit with him. Um, got to meet Pete Chevrat, who was the previous superintendent um, and project manager for the Graywalls course when we were building it. And you know, we just kind of really hit it off. So... Um, that kind of got me up here. Um, my wife got in to get her PhD, so we uh, we had to leave for two years. We went down to MSU. Uh, she completed that. Um, then the, the job opened, the head job opened up here, and uh, this was after the construction and everything. We, we left for a couple of years. Um, so 2006, I, I got a call from Mike saying, hey, um, Pete's leaving. You'll probably get a call from somebody at the club here. And uh, lo and behold, uh, Kenny Roscoe gave me a call and uh, came out for an interview and it was one of those situations where i walked out of the interview walking out and i'm like well yeah i just i know this is a good fit and I, i'm pretty sure they do too um and uh, it was kind of a now or never situation for me it's like either this is the time to come up and and be and be up here or it wasn't going to happen in this area so went back talked to my wife she was just done with her coursework she could do her dissertation anywhere and uh, and we had headed up here, so made the decision. Came up. Uh, she's a professor here at Northern now, and so yeah, everything worked out really well. You grew up golf family, you know, family of golf nuts. And when did you decide that you you really wanted to do the the turf? The so yeah, my dad was was one of the, just a great amateur player, and he was one of the best in the state for for many years. And so our summer vacation kind of revolved around his his golf schedule. We spent a lot of time up in Petoskey, Charlevoix area. Um, while he was playing the, the Michigan Am was his yeah, big thing. Yeah, because he was at Belvedere every year for a really yeah, long time. Absolutely, yeah. And so in that that kind of you know playing the courses back down there, you know, and then going up there and walking around to watch him play, it was just it was something. Like, wow, this is this is different. Like this is really cool. Like what's different about this? So that got me thinking about it. So then I just started reading on it, and everything I could read on on architecture, whatever, I just started picking up back then and reading. Um, and uh, it was I went over to my parents moved to Traverse City. And my brother, my older brother, Chris, actually went to, to look for work for us for the summer. He went over to this course called Mistwood. Went over there. They were doing another nine. Okay. They had an 18. They built another nine. And went over there and did the construction on that nine. And I worked for Dan Lucas, who's currently at the Kingsley Club, um, did the Kingsley Club. And that's what got me hooked, like right then. Like that summer of construction, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And uh, from then, I just I just stayed focused and and. I kind of just, you know, kind of person where, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go do it, you know. And so I just went and did it. So I went to Michigan State and got the crop and soil science degree and, and turf grass management. And, and uh, yeah. So that's that's where you met Mike. It was at Kingsley, Kingsley's Mike Sport. DeVries? Absolutely. So, yeah, that's so where I met Mike DeVries at, at Kingsley Club. Yeah. That had to be a pretty cool experience building that course. It was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I was able to. Uh, another young man by the name of Tim Hall came over from uh, Manchester, and uh, so he he joined our crew too. And him and I, uh, a lot of handwork with with Mike on the golf course. So a lot of the finishing stuff. You know, Mike was so hands on with that project. You know, everything got got a landscape break at the end before we seeded it. So we would do all that finishing work with him, and then uh, him and I was, you know, pretty much seeded the place. So we're behind every all the other activity. So. And then you were part of this build at Greywalls. Absolutely, yeah. So when I came up here in 03, um, I, Pete, who was here before me, became the project manager, and it was just too much for him to even do anything on the Heritage course. So brought me up. He said, here, take this over. When you get when the guys are gone, come over here and give me a hand. So that's what I did. So 
you know, run, running the H, and then at the end of the day, I was just coming over here, and whatever Pete needed, whoever Mike needed, I would just come over here, and we'd, you know, we'd work till dark, so. Mm-hmm. What, uh... I guess you know, being part of of two builds, like how would you compare and contrast the two properties? And and you know, with gray walls is I think like one of these experiences, like completely different type of golf course than anywhere in America. But and the Kingsley is also just a wonderful place. But yeah. like, what what do you, would you say are similarities and differences between the two projects well, that you saw? You know, similarities are just the way Mike builds his greens, for instance. You know. Um, with uh, um, favorable locations and maybe not so favorable locations, you just gotta really think uh, when you're going into the into the um, the green complex where you want to be. Okay, so and you gotta think in your previous shot as well. Like where do you want to put it on the fairway? Yeah, you got a massive fairway, but guess what? You know you, you might want to be on that left side. You might not even want to be on that right side, but you gotta think about it as you go around. So those are the the similarities. Um, there's a lot of banks and stuff you can work with, backstops that you can work with that maybe make some greens that are already big even bigger. Um, than what they actually are because you do have those backstops. So mm-hmm. this, uh, the, I mean, the routing here at gray walls is, un- I mean, it's just unbelievable that there's able to get a golf course. So in here. Man, I man. mean, what were your first impressions of when you came to this site? <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that is, that is good. So doing site visits with Mike, this is, it was a heavily forested piece of property. Okay. And that you wouldn't even know that a lot of these rock outcrops existed because they were just you know covered in trees, buried in trees. And so you're walking through these areas, and we're wearing the orange vest, you know, and he's telling you to stand here so he can go up here, up there, and laser back to your orange vest and kind of get yardages. And yeah, it was just I'm coming across some of these areas and just shaking my head. In my mind, you know, I got a lot of agronomic thoughts going through my mind, like how the hell are we gonna grow grass here? You know, how the hell's this gonna happen? <laughs> and uh, and Mike was persistent. Oh, it's gonna work. It's gonna work. It's gonna be so cool. And uh, and it, I mean, it worked. It was just it worked out. But it took the routing here. He had to be. I don't know how many hours Mike put in on it, but he had he had to just been a major head scratcher for him. Yeah, he had a lot of holes out there that just didn't work out, obviously, um, to make things connect and, and keep flowing. But uh, but the end routing, the end result is 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 awesome because not only you know, the geology, the topography we have with with the hills and the rock, but we also have the, the gas line that runs through the property that you don't even know is there if you're a golfer and then we also have the oriana which which separates uh the, the two courses and so he had those two you know environmental restrictions to work with uh to route around as well so it wasn't just the rock mm-hmm. what um and in, in, in terms of build obviously your season is very short here yeah what what was the building construction process like with such a condensed time to get 18 holes done did it take was it a year year and a half two years so that that was a big difference from the kingsley club okay at kingsley we were the construction crew like we you know we did everything i mean dan ran heavy equipment mike was obviously on heavy equipment um which he was here too but just not to the extent that he was on the kingsley club so we had a company called northern clearing out of northern wisconsin that came and and did the construction so that was definitely different and they cranked it out i mean 2003 was the big construction year and those guys humped it i mean they they got her done um tree work started you know previous years did some uh, um, small blasting previous years but that 2003 was the big year and uh, i mean we were mowing turf by the end of the year so talk tell us a little bit about you know the for people that haven't been to gray walls tell us a little bit about the unique the kind of the landscape of 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 the area and 
and the golf course, how it sure. kind of winds its way through the property. Sure. So Marquette, Michigan sits on the southern tip of the Canadian Shield. Okay. So you got this huge, massive granite formation up in Canada, comes under, underneath Lake Superior, and then it kind of ends here in Marquette. So you exit Marquette, you get through the Marquette mountain range, you get past the ski hill and it just flattens out and it's just sand, okay? So we just have this wild, just bizarre terrain right here, all right? And um, full of rock outcrops, okay? Very weathered rock outcrops. But uh, um, the scale of them is, is just amazing. When you do get into an open area and you see it, it just you're like, wow, what the heck is that? You know, it's, it's really cool. Uh-huh. So, so uh, you know, with this golf course, you've got two, you know, you've got Marquette Golf Club and Gray Walls, yeah. which Marquette G- Golf Club, the original nine was built by Langford Moreau. Yes. And then David Gill came in and, and um, built nine holes. It, you know, before you got here, what did you know about Langford Moreau and, and you yeah. know, how yeah. is that, you know kind of changed you know and educated obviously there's some spectacular golf holes out there and uh yeah a little bit about how langford and moreau got up here i just asked you like 17 questions yeah <laughs> okay okay i'll take that run <laughs> um so yeah so obviously langford moreau Harold chicago district you know they worked their way north okay and as they started getting into northern wisconsin into the up it's you know, things back then they did things different back then you know they didn't they couldn't just go to a bank and get a loan to, to build a place so they had to raise the funds to do it so and, and then up in the in the north woods up here there wasn't as much money okay so they would just start with nine holes all right a lot of them never went back to the other nine they just stayed nine holes so so langford and merle so they might have designed drawn up 18 but they just it just didn't get done okay and then a lot of the clubs just kind of lost the history of it you know and just didn't even realize what they had which happened here for many 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 years so um when Mike got on the scene, okay, then all of a sudden, you know, he, he's a big, obviously a big golf architecture guy, history guy. Um, I am as well. And so we started kind of just bringing that here to the club and getting these people to read it, okay. And they actually didn't even, they didn't even know they had the original routing from Lankard Moreau for all 18 uh, up until, gosh, it was probably 2000 or 2001, when, uh, when Ron Witten actually found, found a copy of it and, and brought it to the club's attention. Now, going back in the minutes, the, the history of the minutes uh, in the club, they did actually find a small copy of, of that, but they just didn't even realize they had it. So then they started recognizing, whoa, you know, we, we do have something really cool here. And, uh, and so it's kind of been a pet project of mine because we, we don't have much money up here you know, to just kind of blow things up. We can just, uh, they're here for golf. They want to play golf, and, that, and then that's super cool. And, uh, and so we don't, we don't want to disrupt that much either. So kind of a, a pet project of mine has been that those original nine holes over, over on the, the heritage course to kind of, you know, one, it was the green pads that shrunk up like always happens. Okay. So you had all those laws lost, uh, the greens pad, lost corridors on the green. So mowing those out to approach height was huge. So you can see the pad. Okay. And now we're in the process of, yeah, let's start getting some of them out to, out to green height so we can get those pins back. So we got one back to greens height. The rest are all just mowed at least at approach height, so it's pretty cool. So we're doing some tree work, um, bringing back some some uh, some shot options off some tees that we had lost, um, and uh, and there's there's a little bit of bunker work. They didn't do a, a ton of changes, like I said, they never had a lot of money, but there is some changes in, in the bunkers, um, and it, I mean, it wouldn't be real tough to, to bring it back, but it's just not a huge priority right now because you know the focus is shorter golf season, let's tee it, baby. So. Yeah, talk about the short. I mean, it's a golf crazed community here. Yeah, How yeah. what what type of volume are you doing on the on the on each course and uh, over the course of what it, it, and what's your season like? 
We always we always joke that I, we always call it the factory. This place is just the factory, man, because people are just rolling. They they love their golf carts and they love just going. And uh, we've had seasons up upwards of fifty five thousand rounds on the two courses, which is insane if you think about it. But that was a season where we actually got a, we got going in March, okay, and it was a long fall. We got they played all the way till into November that year, okay. It's usually right around forty five or so on the two courses, which is still a lot. Um, majority of that play now is on the Gray Walls course, okay. Um, just because we get a lot of outside play, and so a lot of the the out of towners obviously they come up here to play the Gray Walls course, and uh, um, and so it's just not as much on the Heritage, but we still do get a lot of rounds on the Heritage. And it seems like every year it kind of it kind of keeps building. Yeah, and with that with that volume in the short season, you don't have a lot of time. You you know you can't afford a no. one week shutdown to do a project. No. So like. And you, like you illuminated to, you don't have a huge budget here. No, not a big staff. You got no. a small staff. Yeah. How? What are the ways that you've been kind of thrifty, innovative, um, creative in getting stuff done? So yeah. So we have our, our total budget is right around seven hundred for thirty six holes. Okay, not a lot. And if you played this place, you'd think no way, you know, because mm-hmm. it's. I got a great crew, and we're able to, we're able to get a lot of stuff accomplished with with not a lot. Um, our shoulder seasons, some years they don't exist. Okay. And that's when clubs do work on golf courses in the shoulder seasons. And there's some years we just, most years we just don't have it. So that's why we can't do a lot of that stuff. You know, when the snow melts, they literally want the golf course open within a day or two. Okay. So we are grinding it to get it open for them. Cause we understand, cause we want to golf too. And we, we all love golf too. And we want to see it right behind them. So we're going to get it done for them. And uh, um, and then the same thing in the fall. I mean, they want to play right up to to when when, it, when the snow flies. So so that's why a lot of that stuff can't can't get done. Um, and, and like I say, shortest season, so we don't want to disrupt their season either with, with a lot of projects. So mm-hmm. um, so the tree work on the heritage course that we that we wanted to get done, we decided to do that this past winter. Okay, well, how are we going to pay for it? Okay, because the stuff in the heritage course was all handwork, and so now it brings so, you know spinning like how, how can we make this work how can we make this work so we had some lumber some lumbered acreage over here on the gray walls course okay and we were able to get a logger in and they were able to do a select cut through these these areas okay and we were able to make some coin on, on the on the lumber which was awesome so now we were able to take that those monies those dollars and pay for the work the handwork they had to get done on the heritage course um and so it, it worked out so that was one creative way that we were able to get get some tree work done um in the winter time which I'm telling you right now, it wasn't easy. <laughs> Trying to keep an ice road open in the middle of a golf course up here in the wintertime was not easy. <laughs> it, was, it was trying my patience, but we, we, I knew the importance of it. So we, we bear down and got her on that, that, that first location that we worked on. Well, it, it's an interesting thing where you're kind of restoring a, a classic nine holes yeah. and you're working on this restoration work, but then you've also got this modern golf course where... Yeah. You know, you're constantly you're trying to mature it, and, and yeah. we played this morning. You said this place keeps getting better and better. Yeah. What what type of things do you do? How do you take a golf course? And we see so many. You know, what happened to your nine hole Langford Moreau, where green shrink and it, it deteriorates after opening, and yeah. you see it so many places. Like I played a place a couple me last year which hadn't been open that long and you're like god you already are seeing what you see yeah you know usually 80 years later you're starting to see the first effect so yeah. how do you keep a golf course you know playing to yeah. the architect's intent so 
I kind of have, I kind of have the advantage because I know Mike so well. Okay, I and and just building the, the, on the construction for two of his properties with him, you know. So I kind of, I know what kind of what, what I know what Mike wants. Okay, and we talk a lot. Okay, about stuff, especially when he comes up, we're constantly just talking about things on the golf course. Okay, so when you when you first when we first built the place you know, you just don't know how everything is going to happen on the golf course okay you don't know exactly how the ball is going to react okay in certain locations and you just have to watch okay i, I play a lot of golf and i play a lot, a lot of golf for a reason I'm, I'm i consider myself a surface manager okay we we manage the surface for the game okay and that's then that's my priority okay and to me it's like the best way to do that is actually play okay and watch people play and see where they end up Okay, and see some frustrations, and can you alleviate those frustrations? Okay, so on this on the Greywalls property here, there's a lot of areas, some of the native areas, okay, that maybe grew in some locations that maybe we shouldn't have had it. Okay, so we made some adjustments there. Okay, or maybe we want it there, but it's just not growing the way we want it. Okay, so we go in and we manage it differently. We do a lot of flail mowing and cutting just to kind of knock it back. So if your ball does go in there. Boom, you see it, you can go in there, get some iron on it, get it out, move on, you're still happy, okay? And you're not in there, you know, on your hands and knees trying to find it, okay? So we're always trying to look at those areas, okay? And then the other part is trying to keep the force back, okay? That's you want to keep these you want to keep these corridors open, okay? That that, that the original corridors that, that Mike opened up for the golf course. And if you don't do anything, the saplings are gonna grow in. Saplings turn into trees, you know trees turn into a lousy golf course so it's it's constantly fighting that back and and managing those locations and and keeping it open so people can see those rock features and can see that with you know on the golf course and and have that to work with yeah i I imagine with like a forest it's a living thing so if you say if if you had to estimate i I never have thought about this before but if you just don't do anything how much do you think a, a forest would encroach on a yearly basis like a number of feet like i've talked oh, to geez. superintendents yeah. in the south that say you know the bermuda greens if you don't you know there's a natural creep that are shrinking the greens but mm-hmm. like with a with a with a forest would you, you know would you lose a couple feet every every year yeah maybe more yeah you don't even realize it is amazing a lot of photos i'd look back at a lot of my pictures and kind of see where the lines are and see, okay, well, we got to get back to that line. Okay, we might have lost, we might have had some sapling growth in there, and so we got to get back to that line um, just to keep that uh, keep that in place. Yeah. Um, what's you you talked a little bit about uh, doing making a change to the um, golf course? Like, is there a specific one that comes to mind? Like that after watching people play. Yes. Or playing yourself, or you know, you got three boys that all play, so you play yep. a ton with them. Yep. Uh, big one was the right of number one green. Okay, there was a native area that kind of pushed up on on one green, and that was a frustration point because if you missed that green, it rolled in there. Now you're hitting not only are you hitting on this, uh, trying to lob it up there, but you got to hit on this hay. So that that went bye bye. Okay, and that was a that was a big move. Um, right of number two was another really big one. You miss right on that fairway, it's kind of kick right into the the, the natural area. Okay. And it was just too thick and too nasty. And so we just had to completely, you know, uh, change the way we manage that area. And now it's, it's, it's much, much more playable. You just get in there and whack your shadow. You're still kind of penalized for hitting it, right? But you, there's, you're not going to have a lost ball unless you go in the woods. And, and uh, you can just get in there and, and, and hit it out. Um, so those are two big areas. On the Marquette course, uh, on the original, the, the Langford, you've done a ton of tree removal, like you were alluding to. And how, how have you, with membership, fought you know 
oh, you're taking out trees, you're making this easier, mm. or you're expanding the green, you're, there's more short grass, you're making this easier. Mm. Is, has that been a struggle? No, it really hasn't. There's there's some that, that kind of ask what's going on and, and kind of question it, you know, and say they might think it might get easier until they actually get out there and, and see it when it's all when it's all done. All of a sudden, you got this gorgeous vista that you didn't even have before, looking across from one fair to the other, and they're like, whoa, whoa, okay, okay. So, and, and as far as the greens, no, I mean it's they've pretty much embraced it now for for the most part that uh, um, that this is really cool and this is the way way it should be. So. I noticed the the greens played really on that on that golf course. They're really firm, and and I'm guessing that when you got here with the trees and the shrunken greens, it, was it a softer feel? It you know I wouldn't say it was softer. It was it still played really firm back mm-hmm. over there. Um, we've always had some uh, some water issues on, on this golf course. They, the water supply some years isn't adequate to keep things nuclear green which obviously we don't want to do but some places do um so they were never they never had the ability to do that okay and so that was actually a good thing mm-hmm. because over time you know they, they'd run out of water in the summer they'd keep just enough to kind of get by with the greens and teas and so things weren't you know overly overly done uh, so that was yeah, that was actually a good thing yeah what's that, what's been your process with getting reclaiming those greens because you've done a ton yeah. of it, and I think there's so many golf courses that fight this problem with shrunken greens. Yeah. And what's worked really well for you? What maybe ha- that you've done hasn't worked that well? So I, I had a I had a backup mower that I was able to dedicate to lowering these lowering these areas down. Okay, lowering the height down because they were at two and a half inches. They were mowed at that rough height. Okay, and and also like what are we talking from? You know say 10 years ago till now how much how much how much green surface are we talking about mowing out that you were missing on a lot of these oh geez probably some of them you know if you had a let's say you had a five thousand square foot green you know you might have four thousand square feet that were was gone missing it was rough mowed is rough on some of those big big langford greens so yeah so there's a lot um and so we took took it at rough height i did a lot of airifying okay a lot of airifying um, trying to get some of that thatch out, and then a lot of vertical mowing. Okay, and then slowly it was just bumping it down, and then every time I aerified, I'd introduce some some bent grass in there as well to kind of get that growing, get that going. Okay, and then it was just slowly lowering it down, a little extra fertility to to keep it going, and uh, yeah, and it probably took about takes about a year I'd say to get it down to a pro tight where it looks pretty good, and then from there, you know, it would take a, probably another good year to get it down to green height. Mm-hmm. Where it looked good, played good, yeah, and the density was up where we want it. And then the the bent started to take over. Then the bent would take over, yeah. And you can see all those. Now you go out to twelve where we reclaimed. You can just see the bent lines that uh, right on the edge of the collar from where I, I stopped seating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it's incredible how how much it's it's got you know, and it looks really great because you can see the whole contours now. Yeah. And it's you know, there's so many great pins that weren't there. Totally lost. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's yeah. it's remarkable, like especially you see it on like you know the back of uh, twelve. You've got those that you know. Is, has the do you? Is there any you know? Obviously, like a big thing is irrigation always. And you, yeah. I saw on twelve, like you've got the heads just in the green. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to change that until we replace the irrigation system. It doesn't matter you know, mm-hmm. at this point. You know, it's not worth the club's money to go in there and and move those when they when it's no big deal you know not right now you know we'll get there when we do one day when the irrigation is replaced we'll move them to the edge yeah 
but right now it's no it's not worth the expense yeah because I, I feel like so many people would would say like you know what we shouldn't do that because then we'll have this irrigation head yeah. but it's like you know how many golfers is that gonna affect yeah not many in fact every every round i played out there which is a lot because my kids play out there a lot um I can count on one hand that I've actually just moved the ball over just a little bit just to put around the head. Is that the local rule? Just move. Yeah. yeah. Just, just move it over a little bit. It's mm-hmm. no big deal. Yeah. yeah. Now for a quick word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends over at B-Dratty. Today I'd love to talk to you about my favorite, probably my favorite piece of apparel in my entire closet. It is the Freebird short. These shorts are the most comfortable things every time i have them clean i mean sometimes even when they are on the border of clean i'm wearing them when i'm lounging around my house they are uh made from that same peruvian cotton that Dratty is famous for with their polos these shorts are uh, have a little bit of stretch on them and they're just the most comfortable things to wear around your house i mean you can wear them when you're running errands you can wear them when you're doing lawn work or you can just wear them when you're sitting watching golf uh, on TV over the weekend. So I highly recommend them. Uh, you can get the Freebird short on bdraddy.com. It, it, it'll it change your life. Trust me. They've got it in both blue, navy, and gray. I love these things. Uh, it's it's basically, you know, it's the most comfortable thing you can wear when you're when you're watching golf on TV on, on Sundays. So check it out, bdraddy.com. Thank uh, you to them for supporting our podcast. And now back to Craig Moore. You know, it's interesting. We talked a little bit about grass and how like the bent takes over eventually. And mm. one of the things I found most interesting at at Graywalls was when you were talking about your guys' choice with the grass. Okay. And it's a it's a hybrid where you have you have fescue, but ninety six what ninety eight percent of your rounds are cart. Or, maybe more <laughs> it's maybe it's more. a walkable yeah. golf course so yeah. i i would recommend walking in <laughs> but you know i i thought i had a it was, it was you feel like you get a workout in it's and workout. it's it's not that bad of a walk no t no t green proximity is right there which for me when you're looking at a place to walk as long as you have that i'm fine i'll climb mm-hmm. a mountain i don't care but as long as you, you, know, you got that you're not walking long distances between the two holes that's what gets me yeah um and in my and that's obviously when mike routed the place he wasn't gonna let that happen so um but yeah so going back to the grasses on, on the fairway so when we, when we seeded the the, the gray walls golf course it was a mix of fine fescue and lomo kentucky bluegrass okay thought process there is okay we know these people love their golf carts they love cart balling okay and that's fine that's cool i mean it's it's their course you know um so we had to come up with a grass situation. Because fescue could, doesn't handle carts, right? No. No, not as well as, as other grasses. Not as well as the bank grass would or, or not as well as like a bluegrass would. Okay, but we did not want to go with bank grass fairways here because the um, the cost of uh, going the cost of uh, chemicals and, and the inputs it would need to, to keep it really, really nice. Okay. Um, especially in the wintertime up here with the snow mold pressure that we get up here. That would be a major expense to, to just spray those um, all those fairways. So going in... So what can we do? Okay, so we started looking at all the ANTEP trials and looking at uh, you know um, all the data on the grasses. So so we came up. We wanted to go with a fine fast key for the low input situation. Okay, well what can we add with it? Okay, ryegrass doesn't do well up here. Okay, so well let's go with the the bluegrass, which does awesome with traffic. Okay, so now 
you sit back and you look at look at the golf course. You can sit back in the fairways and you can you can look and you can see exactly where the high traffic areas are because that's where the the Lomo Kentucky Blue dominates the stand. Okay, all your larger open corridors where there's a lot of room that that's where the the fine fescue dominates the stand. Okay, and so it's really it's been really fun watching that evolve from the beginning um, and and, see, and it's doing exactly what we wanted it to do. So it's performing perfectly. It's amazing. And then like you've got your your cart boundaries where they can't go around the greens yeah. and around every green it's just pure fescue everywhere yeah you got so fine, it fine. just reacts perfectly yeah it's so around the greens you got a yeah, high population of fine fescue and then a lot of the, the bent grass bleed off that came off the greens so combination so i've gotten some messages people people saying like oh the course is amazing like the greens just got me what what do you what is that a complaint that you hear a lot with it with you know and i think one of the things is understanding architecture is a huge benefit if you play here, right? Huge benefit. You have to think, okay? People don't want to think. They want to play mindless golf in between chugging a beer, okay? That's not this place. You got you to think, okay? And if you do that, that's fine, but don't get upset about the result, okay? You just have to really think about... You know, not only the shot into the green, but maybe the shot before, you know, where you want to be, you know, where you're going to get that best angle to, to get in and have an opportunity to, to get on the putting surface, okay? Because there's a few that, that'll, that'll get you. You know, one in 14 are two perfect examples. I mean, if you if you don't execute that shot, I mean, you're, you're bunkerless greens, too. Bunkerless greens, but they you know, they can get you. And those are two that probably I hear about the most, so. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like, playing today, a perfect example was two it's on this back tier and you're hitting over a ravine to get to it and from the fairway i just hit it like 25 yards left of the pin it was it was magical and it almost went in and 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 it's you don't even have to take on the ravine that the the green's sitting over over you don't don't ever even have to but you just i think that's you have to look away so much in it's the same way at Kingsley, where yeah. you have to aim a way to hit it close a lot of times. Absolutely, it, the direct, the, the best approach might not be the the direct line to the pin. You know, you, you think about it, and it's just it, it might not be. So, because it, it, it's a very visually intimidating place. Okay, both golf courses, Kingsley and, and Gray Walls, are both visually intimidating. You get over that, you, you that's step one. Okay, and then step two is just get creative. You know, get creative. Look at the landforms. Okay. And maybe work with the land a little bit. You know? just don't att- try to attack the pin. Mm-hmm. It's it, yeah, it's it's neat. It's such a cool place, and I think like the more you play it, the more you get it. Yeah. That's the other thing is that that yes. first time around is it's like se- you you can get Boom. sensory overload from all this happening, the rock outcroppings, yeah. this yeah. unbelievable golf holes that you've never seen before. Yeah. But understanding like if you will allow yourself to have this open mind of like okay maybe i should look five yards left of a flag and see okay i could play it over there and it's going to bank in but or if you going around a second time you'll start to pick up on it yeah and and that's exactly what happened with it with our membership too like yeah so our women's association they first few years when after gray walls opened they still held their league on the heritage golf course okay after a couple years of playing out here a little more they're like whoa we like that. 
like that's what we want every league night and so they move their league right over here and so they play over here now and it's been and they love it it's wonderful we get loads of women that play out here and just have a fantastic time oh there's so many ways for for a low trajectory player to Mm -hmm. hit the ball close Mm -hmm. out here like Mm -hmm. every pin's accessible if you understand where to play it Mm -hmm. and and use the contour you never i outside of six the par three up the hill yeah like that might be the only shot you have to hit in the air yeah you know everything else you can run up on the ground you can play the ground yeah you can play so you got you always have that you've got that option okay so there's there's always there's always a, the and that's the thing i like about mike and mike's courses it's and and i preach this to everybody what makes the best golf course is a golf course that provides lots of options and the reason being for me is because that opens windows for all the different kinds of golfers to enjoy that golf and all the different kind of golf swings that are out there. Okay. Not everybody hits the same damn shot, right? Some people play left to right. Some people play right to left. Some people hit a low trajectory. Some people hit a high trajectory. Okay. And the fact that he can build these places that kind of cater to all the different you know, shot options or shot, shot to, uh, I guess, uh, the way they hit the, the golf ball, you know, it's just, it's amazing. So, you know, we're, we're here. It's August. We're recording it. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's like seventy five. Wonderful, man. Yeah. What what's the what's the ideal if say we're, you know, somebody in the Midwest coming up here and I, I think after spending time like I don't I think I'm gonna try and come up every single summer the rest of the rest of my life. or every year because it's a magical place. But what what is like an ideal trip to, to Marquette? And, or the UP, like, should should it be just, you know, golf? Like, what are the other things you should do? Okay, so you, you come up here to play golf, which I, I highly, highly encourage everybody to come up and play because it's so cool. Don't just come up here to golf, though. Absolutely do not just come up here to golf. Spend some time. We, Munising's 45 minutes away. We have Pictured Rocks, okay? Other side of Munising, you've got uh, Grand Marais and the Grand Sable Dunes, which are just mind-blowing. It's... 200 foot drop of just sand down to lake superior that you can you can walk down it, it's crazy you know, the waterfalls all over the place there's little mini hikes all around marquette that you can just go on you can walk up sugarloaf you can walk up hogsback presque isle right here in, in the, the city park here in marquette is is mind-blowing and you get out there and it's just it's it, it's so beautiful uh, this little uh, peninsula out in the lake that it's got rock outcrops that you can jump off into the lake uh, you can go swim in there's 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 some rocky beaches or sandy beaches and uh, it's, it's it's really neat there's the other thing is is biking is huge up here so if you're into like single track riding you know with, with mountain bikes you can ride the roads too there's really good trails for road biking but the mountain biking up here insane it is so good so mm-hmm. good and good breweries and good breweries yes Shout out to Black Rocks and yeah. uh, Ordock. Yeah. Absolutely. You can go down to Veerling. They've been here longer than the others and uh, get a blueberry beer if you want. The blueberries are locally grown here. And they, um, but uh, yeah, it's great beer. Absolutely. And it comes from great water, you know, Lake Superior. That's what they say, superior water. Superior water, man. That's, <laughs> what, that's why it's superior beer. Yeah. I, I had never seen anything like Lake Superior. My wife and I went on a hike yesterday and it was unbelievable you get to, we got to this beach we hiked you know three miles to this yeah. beach and sure. i mean the clearest water i've ever ever seen in the sandiest beach no rocks anywhere like yeah. we were talking i was like i mean do you remember and 
you know, the Caribbean ever seeing it. And she's like, no, nothing like this. Like it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. We're, so you, you think about the whole shore of Lake Superior and you, you think rock, okay, rock, it's a very rocky place because it's kind of engulfed in the Canadian shield. But here from Marquette to Munising, we're blessed with beautiful sand beaches. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's rare to find on the rest of the shoreline. So when, when's the best time for golf? If somebody's coming to golf, well, all summer, <laughs> really, it's just dynamite. June, July, August, September, just unreal. To me, my favorite month is September. That's my favorite month up here. You got cooler nights, and then you start getting into the color change with the trees, and that's that adds a whole new element to this property. When those leaves change, holy cow. You know, going from the third week of September into you know first couple of weeks of October is just absolute beauty. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a special place. Um, so we'll, we'll get you out of here on the last one. You know, Langford Moreau. You, when you get that fully, like you've put how many other you played Lasonia, other Lasonia, Ozaki, Iron River, and then and then just just reading everything about you know Langford Moreau and, and and every picture. We gotta I can talk say. about your discovery. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, uh, tell us a little bit about it. So it's funny. I, I I was telling Craig, I was like, oh, I got this Langford book, this really cool Langford book that somebody sent me. Uh, I gotta send it to you. And and uh, and sure enough, uh, tell us about it. So yeah, so it started getting the, the the club really really into uh, Langford Moreau, the, the Green Committee. You know, we're really getting into it. And and one of our Green Committee uh, members, John Bordeaux, came across this document that uh, that Langford Moreau had had or Langford, I should say, wrote on a short short document, like sixteen pages or something yeah. like that. Um, and there was only one copy of it, and it was down in the MSU archive. Okay, down in Michigan State. Well, it was a really, it was really rough shape, and it was like in a safe, and they wouldn't let anybody touch it. And at the time, my wife was, you know, PhD student. Um, so then I'm Mag, you, I, I got, I got, I got like have that. I, I got to see that. So she kind of looked into it. And well, what it. was your <laughs> wife saying saying to you when you were trying to coerce her to like go <laughs> like, get in this safe? She she thinks I'm a lunatic. Okay, <laughs> she thinks I'm loony. Because um, I talk about this stuff, and that's like what I do. Like I, 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 I can't stop. You know, I'm addicted to like continue like reading it on, on the subject, and she thinks I'm nuts. Um, and so I said, you, you got to get this for me. Like I got to see it. Like John found it. It's down there. I know you can get access to it. And so she went and talked to the, the librarian that was in charge there, and, and they were like, No, no, we can't. It's it's in too bad a shape. We can't we can't touch that. And she's like, No, no, my, like, you don't understand. My husband needs this. Like he keeps bugging me. Like I want to get this for him. So, at the end of the day, she was able to convince them to pull it out and make photos copies of it. She wasn't allowed to touch it; they could touch it, but they made photocopies. And she brought it back, and and I was like, oh god, just one of the bajillion reasons why I love that woman. Okay, and so so she got she got it for me. And so then yeah, so then I gave Mike a copy, and then we just started getting around. And it's great. I mean, it's awesome. I'm so glad that that people you know, do have copies of it and it's kind of going around and people see it because there's not enough really known about uh, Langford Moreau. I mean, there's just not enough, there's not as much talk. You know, it's, you hear everything about Ross and, and, and Mackenzie and, and uh, you know, Colton Nelson and, you know, you just don't hear as much about Langford Moreau. I think so much of it is where they did their work, sure. you know, so much of it. Like, you know, there aren't a lot of people that have been to Marquette and, yeah. you know, Lawsonia's. My, my Lil Sony is like my, my top five. I absolutely love yeah, that place. The place is unbelievable. It's, it's but so it's remote. It's hard to remote. get get to. I was I, I a guy I know. He was texting me who's like a very well traveled uh, uh, 
architecture nut, you know, write stuff. He, and he was texting me, he was at Lostonia earlier this summer. He's like, this place is absolutely unbelievable. I'm yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it, that's the, the scale, only- the scale of that place. Yeah. It's so massive and open. And so you just see the vista across the golf course and it's just like, oh my gosh. And the greens there are amazing. But it, 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 part of me, like looking at you, the greens that you have here, yeah. I mean, they there are some better greens here than they got at Lostonia. Yeah, um, yeah. By, by the time I retire up here, I hope to have it all back. Yeah, they, the, 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 the Langford greens back. So The, the Langford is intermixed in the course. Has there ever yeah. been talk about, about putting it back as a, a standalone nine? Just nine and nine? Yeah, I've talked about it. Um, I've never really pushed it, but I actually kind of made a little scorecard one day on it and, and showed how it could work, but... Uh, um, yeah, no, it hasn't gone past that though. It'd be neat if they did that. It would be. It's, neat. It, it's like, yeah, it's you know that's the way it was designed. Yeah, exactly. Then that's the way it, they played it for forty years. And it's got a cadence and a flow, and it walks. That's that's something I, I you start to think about is, and it it's really evident here is like the idea of walking the property. Mm-hmm. You know where, the routing's kind of naturally how you walk a property and how you would go up. Like you know, and and here is the you know that it, it embodies it well. Like it it'd be the natural way you'd walk that property, uh, yeah. the Langford Nine. Yeah, where you'd kind of walk out and you'd be like, oh, then you come and you kind of zigzag over towards the other edge, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, and even the one hole you kind of got to jet back just a little bit, but you just drop your bag off halfway there, you know, because mm-hmm. it's part three. So hopefully you're on the green. You can just grab your putter, walk up there, and you you, you kind of walk back. So yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. It, it flows really, really well. The original nine, yeah, yeah, that'll be special when you get all the greens back. And yeah, yeah it's a, it'll be it'll be slow, neat. slow process up here, baby steps up hey, here. So patience. That's right, man. You got all yeah. winter to think about. I got all winter to think and, and read more about it. And yeah, yeah. How fired excited. up are you when yeah. it, like when the <laughs> snow melts and you, oh. you got your first day? Oh God, I'm so excited, man. I just want to like I, said, I just. Yeah, everybody says oh you just got a lot of pressure to get open i'm like there's the pressure i get from them is nothing compared to what i'm putting on myself to get this place open because i want to tee it man let's go it's go time you know we got to get this stuff done let's (laughs) get this place cleaned up let's play yeah what kind of stuff do you do all winter well so all winter long um a lot of preparation so equipment prep okay because because when the snow does melt and we get out there, I want everything ready. I don't want to be working on equipment. It's, it's I want it done, all of it. So we're our 100% focus is on the playing services, getting cleaned up, getting prepped, getting ready for, for golf, okay? So that's a big part of it, uh, planning, okay? Um, we don't have a general manager at the club. It's myself and, and our head professional, Mark Gilmore, and our, our clubhouse manager, Maggie, and uh, there's an office manager, Bev. Between the, the four of us, I mean, we operate the club for the for board of directors. And so we have to do a lot of that, obviously, that work, that end. Um, and so budget budget work, you know, planning work, you know, just setting everything up for the year because it's a madhouse when the year is here, okay? We don't have time to mess out around with a lot of that stuff. So the planning is key going into the season and having it dialed. And then on the flip side, like I said, I have three boys. They're big into hockey, so... I spend a lot of time in a hockey rink in the wintertime. So. It's, a, it's a good place for hockey. It is a good place for hockey. Snowshoeing, too. I'm, I'm a big snowshoer, so, and I snowshoe the property two or three days a week, just checking on it, making things, sure things are good, checking for ice, snow, you know, digging down, 
while I still can. And it builds up into a point where it's it's hard to dig down. Can't really get to the bottom of a. You know. Yeah, is ice damage the your biggest kind of fear uh, yes. on the golf course? It is. It is, and that if and that'll occur if we get if we get a meltdown or a rain event or something in December. That's when I worry. Okay. Because um, at that point, it can take out a lot of the a lot of the bank grass as well. If we get later on in the year and we'll get some ice, let's say we uh, um, late in the se- late in the season, I don't worry about too much because it might just take out some poa, which is fine. I, I'm, I'm good with that. So, mm-hmm. uh, what do you have to do? You cover your greens or anything, or with sand? I bury them in sand. Bury them in sand and malorganite, and the malorganite helps them melt off in the spring. It does really really well. Um, uh-huh. Kind of gets up in there. Sun Human gets poop. on it. Human poop, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. composted, yeah, human waste, yeah, great product, yeah, great product. I, th- I gotta get some for my own yard. You do, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It works wonderful for the homeowner. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so th- you gotta go. You got you got your boys in a golf tournament today. Yeah, so are. we yeah. we we gotta get, let, cut you loose so you can go uh, go watch them play. Right. So uh, thanks so much for coming on. I hope a bunch of people come visit you uh, oh. in the next few months and then next year. Absolutely. Yeah. Come on up. We welcome you with with open arms up here. You'll have a great time. So. <laughs>